0: This is the Read to Lead podcast, episode 398.
1: With the lack of any kind of reinforcement after a training program is conducted, people revert back. To their old way of doing whatever that skill was that they got introduced
0: to. You're probably wasting a lot of money on learning and development programs that don't improve performance, but there's a common sense solution that will make your training stick, and that's what we're digging into more deeply today. Hi, I'm Jeff Brown, and this is the Read to Lead podcast, the podcast that's dedicated to your personal and professional growth, where I believe that if you want to achieve true success in business and in life. And of course, intentional and consistent reading is a must. I am so privileged to meet and talk with as many authors as I do. It's one of the great things about doing a podcast like this one. And I'm excited for you to meet my guest today. Her name is Meredith Bell. She's author of a book called Strong for Performance. Create a coaching culture with learning and development programs that stick. Some of the things I plan to ask Meredith about include why most learning and development programs fail to improve performance, as her book suggests, some of the reasons it's so hard to change our work habits, how to know if we're ready for 360-degree feedback, and much more. Well, I don't know anyone who isn't ready at any time to save money, and that's what our sponsor, Code today is all about, helping you save money every month. On your prescription meds and having them neatly packaged arriving right to your doorstep that's pretty cool scriptco is the first online pharmacy that gives you the power of wholesale medicine and home delivery together trust me when i say it's much better than letting insurance companies decide how much you have to pay at Scriptco, they've cut out the middleman and put the power into your hands. And what they do is they shop around for the absolute lowest price anywhere on the medicine you need without the insurance price hike. Then they send the best deal right to your door. And with a Scriptco membership, you can save big with access to wholesale prices on your generic medications. To see just how much you could be saving, check out their free savings calculator at Scriptco.com. That's S C R I P T C O.com. And because you listen to this show, you can save even more. You get $25 off your initial membership when you use the code READ25. That's R-E-A-D-2-5. So one more time, go to Scriptco, S-C-R-I-P-T-C-O.com, and use the code READ25, R-E-A-D-2-5, to get $25 off your initial membership with Scriptco. Meredith Bell is president and co-founder of Performance Support Systems, a global software company. Since 1994, that's a long time. She has helped develop brain-based online assessment and development tools that make long-term improvements in leader and team performance. She also hosts the popular weekly Strong for Performance podcast and is the author of a book by the same name, Strong for Performance, Create a Coaching Culture with Learning and Development Programs That Stick. Meredith, welcome officially to the Read to Lead podcast.
1: Thank you, Jeff. I'm really glad to be with you today and look forward to our conversation.
0: I also want to point out that uh, Meredith is the co-author of Connect with Your Team, Mastering the Top 10 Communication Skills, uh, co-authored with Uh, Dr. Uh, Dennis Coates. So check that out too. But most of our conversation today will be centered around the Strong for Performance book. Uh, And I read in that book that about $150 billion uh, every year is spent on employee training and 70 to 90 percent of that is wasted. So uh, that begs the question, Meredith, why do most learning and development programs fail to do what they're designed to do, improve performance?
1: A key reason, Jeff, is because the folks that are organizing and conducting these programs don't realize the importance of the follow-up piece. Mm -hmm. And that's really a challenge. You know, too often people think, Well, we've introduced this material and so now we've, you know, checked that box and we've delivered it. So now it's up to them to apply it. And the truth is, of course, knowing is not the same as doing. Mm. And so with the lack of any kind of reinforcement after a training program is conducted, people revert back to their old way of doing whatever that skill was that they got introduced to because that is their natural way of doing it. That's what's been ingrained in their brain for a long time.
0: Mm, and It's hard, hard to undo that without that follow-up. Uh, you know, as I was reading this, I've begun to venture out into this territory, having just published a book of, of my own and doing some, some in-person workshops and training. And one of my offerings includes that follow-up. And after reading your book, I'm like, I need to figure out a way Uh, so that all of my offerings include that follow-up, not not just the most expensive one, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm.
1: Because most of us in this profession want to have a real impact. Mm. And when we don't include that, and, you know, I think of companies that spend mega dollars bringing in a very exciting, enthusiastic, charismatic speaker Mm. and people get all excited and motivated, (laughs) but then it fades shortly afterwards because there's nothing, af- you know, that's left behind. And so mm. building in that component, I'm glad to hear you say that because I think <laughs> it's, it is essential in having an impact like I know you want to have.
0: Mm, yeah. Well, what does your experience suggest, Meredith, about why it's so difficult to change a work habit? You hinted at some of this a moment ago as we, you know, we go back to kind of our old ways. Why, why does that seem to be the case?
1: Because when we create a habit or skill, in the brain, there's actually physical wiring mm. that takes place and that becomes solidified. You know, I don't need to go into the details of what's happening, but just know that these are physical connections that you don't just all of a sudden break one day because mm. you decide I want to do something differently. And so we have to recognize that first of all, we've got this habit. It is hardwired, and therefore, we need to allow ourselves time to make the change. And I like to use a road analogy. If you Mm. think about the way you've been doing something is like a superhighway. So you've been going at full speed. You do it automatically without thinking. And then you decide, oh, I'm going to change this, whether it's how you listen to someone or your eating habits or exercise, it doesn't matter. It's whatever the habit is to decide you're going to do something different is like all of a sudden turning off from the superhighway to a gravel bumpy dirt road (laughs) where you just it's uncomfortable and you're not gonna get it right every time. And so there's gonna be setbacks and we have to recognize this is part of the learning process. When we want to set up a new pattern, we have to recognize it's gonna take time to wire the brain for that new behavior and make it better than the old one that we were relying on. So we've got some competition going on that can lead to us actually getting worse before we get better mm. in in adopting a new pattern, so that's the key is sticking with it until the new way becomes the way that you do something.
0: So, continue that analogy. Would that mean we're? we're it's kind of like we're we need to build whole new roads, like whole new connections, <laughs> exactly. right? Exactly. <laughs> okay.
1: Yes, it's a think of it as a construction project.
0: Awesome. But well, what would you say are are the keys to making sure then that? training training like you do training like i do that many listening receive and or want to do actually sticks what are some things that we can we can do some practical things
1: i think up front is letting people know this training is not an event. It's just the beginning. Mm. So we're managing their expectations that there are going to be things that are going to be needing to happen afterwards. Uh, we are the publisher of a 360 feedback software. And so we've been in that business for a long time and we know how valuable a diagnostic 360 feedback tool can be upfront whether it's done in person or using an automated tool to help people understand what are their strengths what is it they need to work on so they have a reason why so i think that's an important element to help them see this is what i need to be focusing on and Mm. then we have what we call a three-step process for mastering a skill that's an essential element for folks to understand that you don't just again, get exposed to information, you you find out how to do it right. So that's focus. And then the next step is to actually apply it in a real situation so that you start wiring the brain for the new way of doing things. And then the third one is our reflection. And this is the part that gets missed a lot because People are in a hurry. You know, we don't want to slow down and take time to analyze. Well, how did it go when I did apply this skill? <laughs> what happened? And that's where we can run into trouble. Cause if we don't take time to stop and ask a few questions about that, then we can just repeat the mistakes. We can continue doing it incorrectly. And now we're reinforcing a way that we're not wanting to. Establish. So reflecting involves things like, well, looking at what happened, why it happened that way, what my motive was, what was the outcome? Did it turn out the way I hoped? If not, what might I do differently in the future? So when we go through that process, it actually helps accelerate that wiring. And even better is to write down the answers, not just think it. So repeating that focus, action, reflection over and over To get that practice is an important element of making the training stick. So whatever needs to be built in to give people the opportunity to do that is important. And then as they apply this skill to get ongoing feedback, you know, Marshall Goldsmith calls it feed forward. And it's basically going around to folks after you've been practicing this and saying, well, how am I doing? You know, do you have any suggestions for how I can get even better with this uh because that's an important part of that continuous learning and growing. And then getting coaching from, you know, a peer or an ex- external coach is really important too. When we're trying to do hard things, a coach can serve a really important role for us and keeping us on track and holding us accountable And then having a a system of support. And this can be in the form of a cohort of people that are, say, working together after a training class is done. But knowing that there are people around you that are you know, behind you as you're working to improve and not expecting you to get it right the first time, that also is really valuable. And then just knowing that there are certain, what we call core strengths that you're going to have to use during this process, like perseverance, sticking with it, courage, yeah. trying it out, mm-hmm. even if it doesn't go well the first time. So that combination of elements goes a long mm-hmm. way in making the training stick.
0: Yeah, and and two, uh, a couple of points you, you've made here, there's a, a, a couple of sentences here early in the book that I starred that I think drives mm-hmm. us home uh, with regard to leaders not appreciating the role of training being to introduce the best practice, not to ingrain it as an automatic behavior pattern and they, and they don't understand that the real learning happens after classroom instruction is over that's the, that's that's the key thing here i think that we want to mm-hmm. drive home how can we know uh, if we're ready for 360 degree uh, feedback what what are some things we can look to to know that 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 we're actually going to going to benefit from this and and, it, and it's go time
1: I think one general principle, I love Brene Brown's definition of culture. You know, it's how we do things around here. Mm-hmm. So in regard to being ready for 360, how do we give each other feedback now? Or do we at all? You know, if people are not used to giving feedback, um, sharing, you know, when they need something or, or when something didn't go well, then that's something that is going to need to be introduced. Also, just looking at the the environment of trust that exists there. Because if we're asking people to answer questions about their manager and they're not sure if these answers are gonna be kept confidential or they'll be anonymous, they'll be less likely to give honest answers and then you have garbage in, garbage out. So looking at what's the level of, of trust I think is a a really important element. And then do people understand what 360 feedback is, is that it's for development and it's not going to be used for the person's, hopefully not for the person's compensation, that it's Mm -hmm. to help them find out what their strengths are, what areas of improvement. So there's this education that may need to be done to help people understand the purpose if, if 360 is new to them. And then- Looking at, so if you're going to do 360, then what are you going to do to help people improve Mm -hmm. as they need to work on specific skills? So what do you have in place for development once they get their results? Again, 360 feedback alone is sort of like training alone. There's Mm -hmm. not going to be a change in behavior if there's not a development plan created and specific you know actions that are going to be taken to mm-hmm. make improvements.
0: Yeah, in organizations I've worked in in the past, uh, the the recollection I'm having now is the three sixty degree feedback was not followed by by that development plan that you're talking about, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So I'm not so sure that it really, really did a whole lot of good. Well, uh, that kind of lends me to my next question. Do you offer any words of caution then before jumping into this, this type of feedback? What would you say there?
1: Well, I just repeat one point I made, which is using it for development Mm. and not compensation Mm. helps people relax and, and be more honest. And it helps the recipients of the feedback not be as uptight um, about it. The other thing is sometimes the respondents really don't know what's appropriate in terms of feedback. So helping them understand, here's how the questionnaire is structured, You know, here's what our scales mean. If you're asking, you know, questions on a scale, say a five point or 10 point scale. Mm. And also what kinds of comments, if comments are permitted, what kind of comments could be helpful to this person? What should you avoid doing so that the report they get back is really informative to them and supportive and they don't feel they've been attacked? You know, we want people to be honest. And also, you won't believe this. I just heard this yesterday, an organization that was doing 360 feedback and they had everybody in the company rate everybody else, whether they had any knowledge of that person's performance or not. (laughs) So I didn't think it was necessary to say this, but I will emphasize you only want to have people respond who have firsthand experience working with that individual. So they have a basis for giving feedback and it's not hearsay and you don't get a lot of not applicable answers. (laughs) And plus think about rater fatigue. If you're asking people to rate a ton of people, the quality of the responses will go down. So Mm. it's really important also to keep that information for that individual private or you know, maybe they share some of it with their manager, of course, to help design their development plan, but it's not the kind of thing that should be expected to be shared publicly with others. Because sometimes when the feedback is unexpected, people need time to process it and think about it. And so one of the best aspects of feedback is after a person has read their report, identified strengths, identified what they want to improve, and then sit down with their team or any of the people who gave them feedback and share, here's what I learned, and thank them and make a commitment to what you're going to do to improve and ask for their help. That to me is the ideal, because then everybody who responded doesn't feel like they wasted their time, (laughs) that it's actually been received and mm. taken seriously. So I think that's, that's mm. a huge element of making 360 work well.
0: And you give an example in the book uh, of someone doing that who was really struggling with managing a group of supervisors. Uh, he, I, he, I believe, was younger than many of them and yes. having trouble mm-hmm. getting their, uh, getting them to move in the direction he wanted them to move. And after doing exactly what you just described, that began to change. And that was really yes. powerful. You know, it's interesting to hear about this company who uh, uh, who had everybody rate everybody. You know, the thing about common sense is it's not always very common. It's, it's <laughs> <That's> so true. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. Well, uh, you mentioned uh, the, your uh, strong belief in coaching earlier. Uh, mm-hmm. Talk a bit about, Meredith, what you believe makes coaching different from, from other types of interventions.
1: Well, when you think about a therapist, a therapist is typically someone who's helping someone look at their past resolve issues that are still impacting them today Mm. a coach is more forward-looking they're looking into the future they're helping the person think about who do i want to be who do i need to be in order to be most effective in this role that i'm in or Mm. this role that i aspire to and so that's one distinction between those two and then you have mentors who often are advising someone who is less experienced in a specific industry, let's say, or profession. And so they're trying to help them save time by kind of telling them some shortcuts or just giving them some really good advice. Whereas a coach is more asking questions, drawing out, helping Mm. the person discover within. So those roles are quite different. And then a consultant you know, is someone a company often hires to help them solve a problem. And so the consultant is in a role of analyzing data and making recommendations and possibly even implementing the strategy. So again, that is a more directive approach, whereas a coach is brought in to work usually with an individual, could also be for group coaching Mm. to help draw out from others as opposed to telling. So the roles are really different. And and of course, training is to impart information typically, and yes, let people experience and interact as well. But again, the coach's role is not having a curriculum to follow with a specific end result. Um, Yes, there are some goals that can be set, but the way to get there is often Hmm. designed on a, you know, session by session basis, depending on what's happened in between those coaching sessions.
0: As I have spent the last eight years as a solopreneur and not around an office full of people and interacting with others throughout the day, like I used to, I've, I've learned how important community is and surrounding myself with people in, in the context of mastermind groups and meeting mm-hmm. with people on a regular basis and having that be my, my community and those people pushing me outside my comfort zone. What have you learned in, in your years at doing this about the power of community as it relates to change particularly?
1: Well, one in particular I want to bring up this is a point that I don't think people appreciate enough, mm. and that is that th- the nature of commitment is that it fades. Mm. We can be very excited in a given <laughs> moment and say, "Yes, I am all in about <laughs> this." Um, but you know, the next day or the next week, we can have trouble staying with it. And so I love your example of mastermind groups. That's a, a great um, example. And the 12-step programs is another one mm. where you are gathering with people who are working to improve some aspect of their work or their lives. And you have people that you are really accountable to. Um, and it's a support group that is Behind you, so you know that if you're struggling with something, other people in that group have probably also struggled with it too. And so you have individuals who are committed to your success and they care about you. They will encourage you if you're, you know, down or you've had a setback that's just, you know, some serious that bring us to our knees. It's just really important to help us keep going, stick with it, to know that there are people who really care about how we're doing and and where we're going. So I think that that is um, a really important aspect of community and is a power of it. And I'll just give you a quick example because I've worked with my two business partners, Denny and Paula, for 30 years now. And of course, in that time, we've had our conflicts. You know, mm-hmm. there's no perfect relationship, but the, the, it's like a good marriage. There's mm-hmm. a fundamental trust and respect that happens in a community of support. And so when one of us has needed to make a change in behavior, like years ago, Denny mm. would interrupt us because he would be in a hurry or wanting, you know, to move fast or move mm. on. And so what we discovered was a way that all three of us could interact would simply be if somebody, if, cause we all interrupt each other at times <laughs> when we're on calls mm. and uh, we simply say, I'm not done yet or please let me finish. Mm. So that's a cue to the other person. Whoops, I'm interrupting. Let me stop. And without saying, you know, you just did it again. <laughs> Right. <laughs> there are so many different ways we can convey a yeah. message to someone. But when we're talking about having a community of support, we want to do it in a way that is respectful and encouraging to the other person and lets them know, we've got your best interests at heart. We're still going to hold this up to you and remind you of, you know, what your best self looks like, basically.
0: I like the example of you and your husband that you shared where you were starting a lot of your sentences with, I'm thinking that, and (laughs) and not that there's anything wrong with that, but he noticed that you did it so often, he would focus in on that and not hear what came after that sometimes. And that's where yes. it becomes an issue, right?
1: It can. Yeah. yeah, we don't always think about what we do that is distracting to other people.
0: <laughs> and I took something you shared in your book from, I think, Charles Duhigg's book, uh, The Power of Habit, that uh, is punctuated with, with what you're talking about, a community creates belief. I shared that with uh, one of the mastermind groups I facilitate just, just this morning as inspiration to them. So thank you for that.
1: Oh, I know. I just I really love that and that was another thing I I meant to um mention there when you talked about community. Mm. We all have these beliefs about ourselves and when we are around people who get to know us and they see our strengths in a way that we don't, mm. it really helps us expand our beliefs about what's possible for us because we can we've just lived with ourselves our whole lives and have certain ways that we see things. And so someone that can see us differently and describe that to us, that is huge for helping Mm. us uh, stay committed to a change that we really want to make or an expansion we want to make in the way we are and the way we operate.
0: Well, Meredith, before I move on to a couple of uh, non-book related questions, anything else from the book you want to make sure we know?
1: Just that The The importance of feedback, both giving it to others in a way that's supportive, but also receiving it because Mm. we tend to get defensive when somebody comes to us, whether we read it in a 360 report or when somebody says it to us. Our first reaction tends to be to justify, defend, explain why we (laughs) said or did what we did. And Mm. instead, if we can learn to say, thank you. I did not realize I came across that way and apologize if necessary. And what can I do to make it right if it's something where it, it really caused a rift between you and another person? This is huge for relationship building. Mm. We often let our egos get in the way and hold back from saying things that we could say for fear of looking weak or being you know not respected as much. And in fact, if we're willing to just own it quickly, People get over it, and it, it it cements the relationship instead of driving a wedge.
0: Mm, love it. Well, I want to know about your reading journey. Uh, if I can tap into that <laughs> yes. for a moment, uh, your history with reading, um, how how you view the habit of intentional, consistent reading, and sort of coupled with that, maybe segue into a book or two that's had a had a lasting impression on you over the years.
1: Sure. Well, I have been a reader since I was a little kid. I loved going to the library and checking out books and read to my daughter, read to our grandchildren. I mean, Mm. it's just a big part of Uh life for me. And when I started my business back in the 80s, there was no internet. And so Mm. books were how I learned about how to run a business, how to market and sell, because I had no business background when I started out. And so books... I've always been an avid learner. And Mm. my challenge has been to not read so many books that I get overwhelmed by all the information. And what I have found is really savoring certain books over time because I change with time. And so I can go back to a book and it's fresh and different. And I hear and see things that I missed before. So I've actually had books have a profound impact on my thinking and actions that mm. I've taken. I would have to say the author who has influenced me the most would probably be Steve Chandler. Mm. Because I've read 15 of his books. <laughs> no other author holds a candle. Of course, not many not many people have written that many books <laughs> either. Right. But he's a coach of coaches. Mm. And even though I'm not a paid professional coach, I end up doing informal coaching. <laughs> There's so much that he writes in his books that aren't that are related to any human being. Mm. And one of my favorites of his is called Write Now, and it's all about why put off things, you know, what's holding you back, and he just his writing is so non-academic and relatable mm. and he tells great stories and he's very open about his own failings at different points in his life so you feel like he gets me. So he is, Mm. uh, I would say, one of my absolute um, favorite. All of his books are great. And then just to mention a couple of other quick ones that I don't know would be as well known, Mm. Straight Line Leadership by Dusan Jukic, who uh, it's really another, it's probably one of my favorite personal and professional development books because Mm. it's all about identifying and then doing the necessary required actions mm. that will help you achieve whatever it is you want to achieve. And his books, his book and Steve Chandler's both have very short chapters. And Dusan's book is unique because every chapter is a contrast of two ways of being or two stances okay. that you can take, like committing versus trying. And mm. so it's it's one of the books I've marked up the most over the years just because of. <laughs> The practical advice and the, I'll say in your face, you know, it's not (laughs) fluffy. It's just telling the truth. It's truth telling. Uh, And I, um, I just love that book.
0: Awesome. Well, finally, let me ask, uh, if you're able to share what's, what's ahead for you and your team that you're excited about what's around the corner.
1: Oh, well, we're in the midst of it, actually. And Mm -hmm. it also, I guess, is around the corner. Mm -hmm. Denny and I last year also wrote another book, besides connect with your team on the communication skills, we wrote another book on um, peer coaching called Peer Coaching Made Simple, Mm -hmm. with the very idea of what we were talking about before, the importance of coaching, but companies can't bring in a coach for every person, so how can people learn to coach each other? And they can use that book in conjunction with connect with your team, and so we have those two books. And then Denny wrote parallel books for parents because mm. he's been writing for parents. So how to connect with your kid and parents coaching parents are those two books. So those four books, we have mm. an exciting goal, an audacious goal, I might say, <laughs> to, to get a million copies of those books in the hands of people in the workplace, families, so that we can help have a positive impact on the pain and suffering that still goes on way too often around people not connecting well with each other and communicating effectively.
0: Well, the book again is called strong for performance, create a coaching culture with learning and development programs that stick. There are those other two books we mentioned briefly. We'll link all those up in the show notes page uh, for your convenience. Meredith, thank you again so much for being a part of the read to lead podcast.
1: Chef, thank you so much for having me. I have loved our conversation.
0: I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Meredith as much as I did. To find out more about her and to check out the links and resources she mentioned, visit the show notes page for this episode, com slash 398 for episode 398. I hope while you're there, and if you haven't already, you'll click the link to find out more about my book that came out in August called Read to Lead, The Simple Habit That Expands Your Influence and Boosts Your Career. Whether you're already an avid reader or someone who's looking to grow that habit, it's a book that can help you tremendously. You can also find out more about it at readtoleadbook.com. Hey, thank you for checking out the podcast each and every week. I hope you get the value you expect each time you stop by. If you have comments or feedback for me and the show, you can write me directly, jeff at readtoleadpodcast.com. Well, that does it for this week. I look forward to seeing you next time, seven days from today. Until then, remember, as always, leaders read and readers lead.